Welcome into Jared and the GM, ESPN 1025, the game streaming on the Game Nashville app. Ryan Porth in for Jared Stillman this afternoon alongside the GM, Floyd Reese. Floyd? Sir? How we doing? Outstanding. We are live at Brewhouse South in Cool Springs next to the Galleria Mall. One of our one of our favorite places. This, we this love is, coming here. This is your backyard. Oh, yeah, right this around the corner. used to be my backyard, <laughs> and it is a beautiful day. In Middle Tennessee. Can't beat that. Not gloomy and not 100 degrees. Yeah. Beautiful afternoon here in Nashville, Tennessee. We are here at Brewhouse South because it is the site of tonight's Smashville Live at 7 o'clock. Kyle Turris and Dan Hamuse will be the player guests hosted by Braden Gall and Hal Gill. Should be a lot of fun at 7 o'clock. Jeremy K. Gover and I will have Preds Insiders right here at 6 o'clock. So get excited about all that. If you're looking for something to do tonight, come on out to Brewhouse South in Cool Springs, and you get a chance to either get a, an autograph from Kyle Terrace and Dan Hamuse or get your picture with them. Should be a lot of fun. Also, big day in baseball today, Floyd. Game five between the Braves and Cardinals. Do we think the uh, the chunky fellow is going to be watching that this afternoon? Oh, yeah. He's, the excuse he's using, whatever it is. He's at home watching hey, that game. He's not going to be listening to I, us. Um, no, I'll guarantee you. This, this is the last thing he's worried about yeah. starting at 4 o'clock. Exactly. If anything, and, and typical for him. You never hear him. I haven't heard him talk about the Braves for four years. But this year, because they're right in the middle of it, now we're, you know, hey, I mean, he's right there, every bit of it. That was a great tomahawk chop there, Floyd. Yeah, yeah. But he's going to be, if he's not watching, he's going to be listening to Braves Cardinals Game 5 at 4 o'clock on ESPN 94.9 Game 2. So this is, in my opinion, Floyd, the best month of sports. Oh, there's a lot going on. The month of October, everything imaginable. Is going on. You've got baseball playoffs. You got the heart of football season, and you've got the start of hockey season. And last night, the Nashville Predators, Floyd, looked pretty good, beating up the San Jose Sharks five-two. Thought the Sharks looked like a desperate team because they are a desperate team. Started zero and three. They are now zero and four. They pushed hard late in the second period. They pushed hard early in the third period. And Kyle Turris, as Jared Stillman would say. Paying what he owes. I have no idea what that means, but paying what he owes with the goal to make it 3-1. I thought that was a backbreaker, and the Preds went on to score another one, 4-1. Philip Forsberg and Matt Duchesne looking good again. This offense, Floyd, is looking pretty good. I, I thought it was really, really exciting to see some of the real strengths of the team last year continue this year, which was the power play and tourist scoring. I thought <laughs> <laughs> two things that really carried them throughout really last carried season. Them. And, uh, no, I thought that was great. It was, it was fun to watch. They, um, it was funny because I didn't, they seemed to be, be very poised, very relaxed, very methodical, very businesslike, you know, just went through and there wasn't, you know, last year, the ups were dramatic, ups and downs. You disappear for a whole period and never come mm-hmm. back again. You wonder what's going on. It seemed to me, you know, every period they went out there and did a little something, you know, score a little something or stop. Uh, Pekka, uh, again, I thought was really, really good. I mean, he he saved the bacon a couple of times. I mean, he's, yeah. he is special. Especially I mean, when the Sharks is. were pushing hard in that second period. I mean, they End outshot the, the Preds 18-7 yeah. in the second yeah. period, early in the third Sharks had a power play opportunity with a fresh sheet of ice. 
He made a couple big saves on that penalty kill for the Preds, and those big saves led the Preds to being able to, to pull away there in the third. Yeah, and so I, I thought it was impressive. You know, we saw a little bit of everybody scoring. We saw guys that we normally see score. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we saw a defenseman score a couple. We saw, you know, first line or second line. Third, I mean, all the way up and down the up and down the Megilla. So that was, that was really, really good. But I, I was just impressed with how – kind of consistent things were you know it wasn't score three in a first and never see you again mm-hmm. you know got a little something all the time so uh exciting and and not taking anything away from tourists i mean i he scored and and you know what his new spot in this offense and this new offense may be a blessing for him mm-hmm. that may be the best thing that's ever happened to him uh but we're hearing a lot more out of a lot more people you know yeah. it's not we're not just counting on three Exactly. You know, you've got every line. There's somebody there, and you're thinking, "Hey, this guy. It's this guy's turn. He's going to go out and do something special." So, um, well, even I really, de- really enjoyed it. Even on defense, in in the opening game, Ryan Ellis scored. In the second game, Matias Ekholm scored. Now, last night, Roman Yossi scores twice. Twice, yeah. And all three defensemen have scored goals right around the net. And the the defense seems to be active and engaging early on. You know, you, you mentioned the roller coaster that was last regular season. Even though they won the Central Division last year, there were games and nights where you were just left scratching your head. Now, it's only three games, but even Saturday night, the loss, that wasn't one of those downs in a roller coaster like they had last year. There were some some games last year where they got just drilled, and you're thinking, what team is this? This yeah. is not the same team we've always seen. There just seems to be this this breath of fresh air at least to start the season with this team. Yeah. I mean, it's like I said, I think it's exciting and I think it's it's interesting how to this point and again, you know, you mentioned it's only 3 games. And and Hal probably said it yep best yesterday on the show. He said, "I don't even bother looking at what so and so is doing or how a team's doing until at least 5 games." So, you know, we got a couple more games, but um, but still, I think what you're seeing and how you're seeing it and how everybody seems to be engaged. Uh, everybody seems to be a part of it. And, and I don't, I, you know, I don't know that much about how long it takes to, to install things in the NHL, but I thought it would take them a while to get this offense, get going. You know, I thought it might take them a third of the season. The, that, or something. that line with Matthew Shane, Philip Forsberg and Macau Grandland looks like they've been together for years. Forever. Looks like they just, you know, this continuing what we've done the last three years. So, I mean, if if the offense has anything to do with with being able to bring people in and get them in there and and get them situated to go the way that uh, the way that we've seen with this group, I mean, this uh, I like it. Do you <laughs> like a, it a lot? It's a, yes, I like it a lot. It's a good change, good move. Absolutely. So last night the Preds went five two. We'll be talking some more Preds throughout the show earlier today the titans had their practice and floyd teron davenport of espn.com put out there 17 minutes ago saying there is no sign of cameron wake or delaney walker on the field at titans practice today both rode the stationary bike any cause for concern there for you no day off you know maintenance day yeah one of those but grant used to him you know anybody over 38 he would change the day if you're over 38, you get the day off. If you're over, you know, 36, you get the day off. Uh, so I think that's probably it. I mean, I don't know what they're – but I, I'm going to guess both those guys are 35-plus. 
maybe 36 plus. I don't know, but um, you know, they need a little need a little time. Uh, are you concerned with how Delaney Walker has started this season? You know what's funny? Uh, two weeks ago, I watched him just on the field, and not not necessarily a specific play, but just watching him move and and come off the line and get out of breaks and stuff. And I thought he was, you know, not full speed. Uh, now last week, I, I I watched him and I thought, nope, he's he's there. Now he did drop a ball, but mm-hmm. but I didn't look at him and think. Gee whiz, you know, he looks like he might be hurting. I wonder if his knees hurt or his ankle or his hip or any of those kinds of things. So um, I, I feel much better about him, that, you know, right now than I did at this point in time last week. Through five games, Delaney Walker has 18 catches for 172 yards and two touchdowns. Those aren't Delaney Walker-type numbers that we've seen in his earlier seasons oh, yeah. in a Titans uniform. And and th- this may the, – the reality is this may be the start of the decline – for number 82. As well, much as we love him, it, I mean, as the old saying goes in the National Football League, father time is undefeated. And and he's he's getting to that age. Now, that being said, I mean, they, Marcus has a lot more options. You this know, is true. When you, when you think about when he was catching, you know, three years ago, all he had was Delaney. Mm-hmm. You know, Delaney was getting every ball. So now they've got some with Brown and with Davis and with – with Humphreys and, you know, those different guys, he's got different options. So I'm sure they're eating up a bunch of the receptions. Absolutely. This is Jared and the GM, Ryan Porth in for Jared Stillman this afternoon alongside the GM, Floyd Reese. We are live at Brewhouse South in Cool Springs, the site of tonight's Smashville Live at 7 o'clock. Kyle Terrace and Dan Hamus will be here. You should be as well. Coming up next, Taylor Lewan, before practice today, spoke for the first time since his social media antics earlier this week. We will get into all that coming up next. He's the GM, Floyd Reese. I'm Ryan Porth. You're listening to Jared and the GM live on ESPN 102.5 The Game, streaming on the Game National app. What's up, Roman Yossi? He of two goals last night for the Preds in that 5-2 win over San Jose. Ryan Porth in for Jared Stone this afternoon alongside the GM, Floyd Reese, live from Brewhouse South in Cool Springs, Floyd, this week you and Jared have spent a lot of time talking about Taylor Lewan. Uh Yes. And usually when we're talking about Taylor Lewan, it's not for the right reasons. <laughs> or or it's for reasons that don't have anything to do with on the field. Right? Uh, there's, certainly, whether it's, there's certainly enough of that. Whether yeah. it's his suspension, whether it's his podcast, whether it's him on social media. And this week it was tweets with Shaq Lawson and Jordan Phillips of the Buffalo Bills that he sent out. And that ignited, twi- that ignited Titans Twitter. And there are so many opinions on Taylor Lewan, and we're going to hear from Taylor Lewan here in a couple minutes. But WSMV's Justin Beasley put out a video, I believe this was yesterday, and this is a snippet of that video that he put out, and it was basically an opinion piece of Justin Beasley talking about Taylor Lewan and the tweets that he put out there after the the game against the Buffalo Bills. Let's hear from Justin Beasley what he had to say yesterday. Now, I don't know about you, but I assume if you're a Titans fan, you would have wanted Lawan to do his talking Sunday by protecting Marcus Mariota, not getting flagged for holding, and not having to shake off rust in week five against a great Bills front because of his suspension. At this point, Lawan he's making headlines for all the wrong reasons. It's for everything that is happening after the whistle, or off the field, or Twitter, or a podcast. Titans fans and the Titans organization 
should want more from a Pro Bowl left tackle who is the highest paid in NFL history. So that was Justin Beasley yesterday on social media. He went on a, a longer, I don't know about rant, but he went on a longer spiel about the whole Taylor Lewan thing. And as a Titans fan, I'm about getting sick of hearing about Taylor Lewan off the field. He is the highest paid tackle in the National Football League. It's about time he plays like it. Well, I mean, his, his play has never been an issue. You know, his play has always been good. I think it's some of the extracurricular things that have always been the issue. And he just needs to back away from all that. You know, now, can he do that? I'm not sure. I mean, he's a victim of your generation. <laughs> I Don't hate love to put me it in that my way. generation. I hate to put it I'm way. only 29 years but old, but I everybody, am not a millennial. Everybody, that, everybody gets critical of people that are on... <laughs> You know that are that is tweeting or on the whatever all those things are, and yet you guys are all on it, and everybody responds. Well, to it. I don't care if he's on Twitter; it's so, the timing of it. You get beat by the Bills. You don't look good doing it, specifically him and that well, offensive line. I wasn't line. thinking as much about that as like the podcast. Oh, everybody well. brings those up. The podcast, like it's really that's his own time. I mean, he can do whatever, and he what's he doing? He's doing what all you young people do. I mean, you can say what you want, but you're all doing it. When are we going to have the Floyd Reese podcast? That's, I didn't say my generation. But busting <laughs> with the GM. No, no, my generation is way past that. But I think he's just, he's he's doing what, you know, people of his ilk do. And that's why it's, I mean, to him, it's probably like second and, nature, like it is to, like Jared. I mean, Jared can't put his phone down. You know this. I mean, he lives on his phone. He, he probably looks at his phone in his on sleep. His phone. I mean, I can't. So do I. Well, I mean, there you go. But it's also and part so, of the job. Like and, I can't really step away from the phone for more than an hour at a time. And and it's his. You know, that's what he considers part of his job too. Like everybody. I mean, I got. You know, I've got a son that's in building, and I've got a son that's in the medical field. They live on their phones. Why? <laughs> that's what you people do. Yeah. So, so I don't know. I mean, I don't like it either. I don't, but the truth is this, football or professional sports, I'll just lump it all together. Things like that aren't important to what you do. Mm-hmm. They aren't a factor in what you do. And therefore, you need to, and Bill, you know, always used to tell him, hey, nothing inside this building leaves this building on your phone. Nothing. And they, you know what? You don't see stuff coming out of there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and that's what has to happen with those guys, with, with like Taylor. Nothing, you can't talk about football. You can't mention football. You can't talk about practice. You can't talk about injuries. You can't talk about the game. You can't talk about anything to do with football on the phone. And and consequently, you know, when you're talking, when you're on your Twitter or tweeting or whatever it is you're doing, you're doing that about you know, home or your wife or friends or whatever it is you do. Well, here's the thing. I, I don't mind at all the podcast. I enjoy the podcast that he does with Will Compton busting with the boys. I enjoy the fact that these players are active on social media. I just think all of it is timing. It doesn't look good when he's taping a new podcast while he's popped for PEDs and he's out for four games. I know he's sitting around for a month, not in the facility, but I just don't think that's a good look. I don't think it's a good look after a loss that you're 
trying to trash talk a Bills player saying, you know, let's go work out in Arizona and see who the tough guy is. I just don't think that's a good look. Now, Taylor Lewan, let's let's get to the audio today. Taylor Lewan did say today, before practice, when the locker room was open to the media, that he probably went too far with the tweets to the Bills players. I say, like, I think the intent that I had in those situations, kind of standing up for yourself, uh, not taking from anybody type of mentality, it got lost in translation there because I took it too personally. And so I let something after a game be said, and then I let it, you know, bait me into doing something after. And, you know, I've, I've always been one to press the envelope and, and do a little, uh, a little too much sometimes, but I've always but I've done a good job of saying when, I, you know, when I've done too much. And I think uh, in that type of situation, I probably should have let it be. Um, you know, he's talking about fighting me in Arizona and all that. I'm not going to fight anybody, you know. Yeah. If he tried to fight me, I'd be like, listen, my daughter's over here. I'm probably going to go to the park. You know what I'm saying? So if that makes me a fake tough guy, then I guess I'm a fake tough guy. That was Taylor Luan earlier today before Titans practice. And I kind of take what he said with a grain of salt because that fuse that he has is so short, and that hasn't really changed over the years. Like, I thought he was turning a corner Floyd. Remember the game against the Broncos back in 2016 where they got in that big fight on the sidelines and he just sat there in midfield? Right. After he had been in the middle got, of all that. Yeah, he got one the week before or something. And I thought he was turning a corner at that point when he sat at midfield and didn't even bother. But overall, I just don't think much has changed with Taylor Luan. Well, like, he, like, he's a left tackle that is really good on the field, but – Either talking on the field or talking off the field, he tends to think to take things too far. I mean, I, I you know, again, now this is just my belief. You think AB is ever going to change? Antonio Brown? Yes. No. Never going to change. Anybody that you bring in that has had issues like this before, you don't, you know, coming in, they're going to be there. I mean, they are not disappearing. Now, it may take them a while to rear their ugly head, but it's going to be there. And I think when you bring these guys in, whoever it may be, I think you accept that. You know, you say to yourself, okay, now we know there is this issue, and at some point in time it's going to, you know, we're going to have to pay for it. Yep. Is it worth it? Is it worth, you know, to have maybe the best left tackle in the league to put up with a little chatter now and then? And somewhere along the line, somebody said, yeah, it is. You know, left tackle is that important. How do you um, think John Robinson felt when he saw those tweets, though? Like, here we go again? Well, I, like I said, I mean, I don't, I don't think he was surprised. I mean, if I next week, if they come out with more tweets, are you going to be shocked? If we, if we go there and get your brains kicked in and, and Von Miller meets, beats him for three sacks, you think there's, you're not going to see something? I mean, you're going to say, I can tell you that now. I mean, I think that you just realize that it's there. Doesn't make it right. Doesn't make it, you know, but I think it's when you bring him in from the very, very beginning, you know this. And and the Titans are, and, and I don't even know who drafted, who did, who did draft him. It must have been, uh, wasn't it? Was it the, Luan? Yeah. That would have been uh, Webster. Okay. So Webster knew what it was. And so... You know, again, I think that the the analysis is always the same. Is this left tackle, as good as he is, worth some of these issues down the road? And like I said, somebody said, yeah, 
Yeah, he is. Do you think he's worth these issues? So, uh, all pro left tackles are hard to find. Them. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're pretty tough. I mean, look at any NFL game. Look at, look at any NFL game on average, and there are offensive line troubles everywhere. Oh, yeah. Well, and we're, you know, we're a prime example of all of that this year. Um, but but left tackles are really, really hard to find. And, and um, you know, I, I think we were probably fortunate, you know, in that going clear back to Brad Hopkins. You know, we Brad just wasn't an issue guy. And, mm-hmm. and Michael Roos wasn't an issue guy. And Those, those and, guys uh, kept their mouth shut, and they yeah. went out and played. Yeah. And they were fantastic at what they did. Now, the 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 – positive or the one of the the things that i think probably leads to that was remember who the boss hog was in there was bruce Mm. and what did bruce you know bruce never said a word bruce never did a thing bruce just went out and played and then came back and got his stuff and went home played with the kids well that that was bruce and who was the boss hog with michael roos uh kevin my wife Oh, probably right. Yeah. So, you know, so, I mean, I think they have, well, now the boss hog is Taylor. Yeah. You know, and so that's the, that's the difference. And, and the truth is when he came in here, I'm not sure there was anybody to kind of give him any direction. You know, there wasn't a, a Bruce Matthews to look at and say, oh, that, that's the way you do it. Mm-hmm. You know, um, he had, tw- so. he had chance Warmack. <laughs> Hey, you hang out. You got it right do, there. Do you, do you think Chance Warback was the boss hog of the Titans' yeah. offensive line back then? He was certainly the hog, <laughs> but he was no boss. No. So when I saw those tweets that Luan had to Shaq Lawson and Jordan Phillips of the Buffalo Bills, I thought same old Luan. Yeah. When, when I watched Sunday's game, I thought same old Titans, and we will get to that next. He's the GM, Floyd Reese. I'm Ryan Porth. You're listening to Jared and the GM live from Brewhouse South in Cool Springs on ESPN 102.5 The Game, streaming on the Game National app. Mike, what would you say to the fans who, when you were hired, it was about raising the bar and raising the level and see the inconsistencies and, and want to throw their hands up and say, this is the same old times. What would you say to those fans? That we're working tirelessly to improve this football team each and every day. That when I come to work uh, to the detriment of my family, uh, I think about this team um, when I'm here, when I'm not here, uh, that we're going to improve, that our goal is to improve every day, to put guys into positions, to coach these guys, to let them uh, be in position to, to help the team and, uh, and play with great effort, play with great fundamentals, uh, but most importantly, uh, win. Mike Vrabel. Monday, Jared Stillman asking the question of what do you have to say to the fans that think this is just the same old Titans? And Floyd, I'm a Titans fan. I sat there Sunday saying these are the same old Titans. And throughout that entire game, I mean, it was it was a hard game to watch at times because there just really wasn't much going on that entire game. And you knew points were were going to be valuable in that game. I mean, first team to 10 was probably going to win that game just going into it. But we had seen that movie before. We've seen that movie so many times with the Titans before. I think back to 
I don't know if this was the last time the Bills played in Tennessee, but there was a game in 2015 when Ken Wisenhunt was the coach, and the Bills were awful, the Titans were awful, and it looked exactly the same. Almost exactly the same. The Titans were up by 10 in the second half. You know, even the Titans were wearing white. The Bills were wearing blue here at Nissan Stadium. And the Titans had no business losing that game. And they lost that game. That was the game where Tyrod Taylor scrambled on third and 23 at their own seven. And that ignited their game-winning drive in that game. I don't know if you remember that game, Floyd. It was a very forgetful game outside of that Tyrod scramble. But... This Titans team just tends to have losses where you you just almost feel disgusted. And you just feel, oh, like you have got to be kidding me. Whether it's coaching decisions, whether it's player decisions on the field of a a throw by Mariota or penalties, whatever. It just seems like this Titans team always has losses like Sunday. And I don't know how you get out of that funk. Like, they had losses like this last year to the Bills in Buffalo. They, they've they had losses like this almost every single year since they won 13-3. and three. Multiple losses where they had no business losing, and then they lose. And I don't know how you get out of that if, if you're Mike Vrabel, if you're John Robinson, if you're Marcus Mariota. Well, you and and I've tried to explain this to Jared, and it's just useless. And so okay, well, hopefully it's not useless. <laughs> yeah, today. Let, let me try to explain. When you say it's the old Titans, in my mind, I'm thinking, is it? You know, you mean the 2000 Titans? No, 13 it's not and the two- no. no, okay. Do you mean the the uh, what would it be? Maybe 2014 Titans, where they're won two games. No, no, it's not that. It's bad. not those those teams. So it's we're talking about the last couple of years in the NFL. How many teams have you got at the top? Not many. Three or four. How many you got at the bottom? Three or four. Probably more than three or four Every, this year. Maybe more. Whatever the number is. Everybody else is three or two or two or three. Everybody in the league, twenty last week it was twenty teams. I don't know what it is this week, which means what? If you end up at three and three, it means what? You're winning a game and you're losing a game, and you're winning a game and you're losing a game, and you're winning a game and you're losing a game. Three and three. <laughs> That's the way the league works. That's and we're not the Indy. Indy had lost to the Raiders. And then jumps out and beat Kansas City. How do you think they feel? Why are they that way? Two and three. <laughs> because they win when they lose when they win. Houston loses to Carolina and then turns around and beats the heck out of uh, Atlanta, Atlanta by 50 points. Ian puts up on the screen when, there are 16 teams that are either three and two or two and three. Okay, there you go. Six half of the league. Half of the league is win one and you lose one. And you win one and you lose one. The only way you come out of that is by going in either direction. I mean, you can fall out going the wrong way, too. You can fall oh, out yeah. where there is no winning part. It's just we lose one, we lose one, we lose. But what you want to do is you want to come out of it going the other way, where it's win, 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 lose. Win, 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 lose. Right. Win. Where you're when you're taking a That's step forward, exactly you're not right. following it up with two steps back. And you do that when you get to a point that you can win tw- double digits. Anyway, 
10, 11, 12 games. When you get to that point, then it's just what you said. You win, 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 and you lose. But but is there any such thing as feeling good after a loss? No. Like, and there's no such thing as feeling bad after a win. That's And why is that? It's because I felt pretty bad a couple years ago after one, the Titans beat the Browns and, in overtime. And you lose one, and you win one, and you lose one. But then you realize how valuable wins are, and you realize how many times you're going to get beat in exactly the same fashion you just won, and you say, hey, you know, it balances out now. I mean, was that a, a pretty win? No. But I have, I've played pretty and gotten beat. Mm-hmm. So that's even uglier than, than not winning, than winning ugly. So, and, and that's the way it's going to be. And until you're a team that can win double, that can get to 11, 12, 13 wins, it's it's that way every week. That's so how do you why, get there? That's you got to play better. You got to have better players. You got to have a quarterback. You got to have all of those things. You know that's why it is so hard to win in the NFL. It, you say you have to have a quarterback. Marcus Mariota has seven touchdowns and no picks. He he is the weirdest quarterback in the league. He might be the weirdest quarterback in the league. Like we're sitting here, and I know for me as a Titans fan, I'm I'm to the point where I'm saying he is what he is. Like I don't think he's really going to make this team better with what he does. He's not going to make the weapons around him better. He's not one of those quarterbacks. He's also, you know, he's not a borderline one of the worst starters in the league. He's right there in that fifteen to twenty-five range, depending on the week. And the, then, as we have discussed ad nauseum for the last three years, Floyd, then it's up to John Robinson and Mike Rabel to, to decide. Exactly. Do you want 15 to 25? What do, you, do you want a top 10? Are you looking for Andy Dalton? Five you times? know me, Floyd. I'm not looking for Andy Dalton. <laughs> no, but what, I want no part of five, Andy Dalton. Five times in the playoffs and no win. And you say to yourself, no win? How can you put up with that? All right, what's the other side of five times in the playoffs? Five times with five wins. Well, the last few years for Andy Dalton, which has been exactly. going so, in the opposite So which would you rather, direction. Which would you rather be? <laughs> you know, obviously I want to make it to the playoffs every year. Well, you lost five times in a row. It doesn't matter. If I can make it the sixth time, maybe I get over the hump. Maybe we get there. But they didn't. And no. now, and now that, that franchise, look. We can sit here and complain all we want about the Titans after what we saw Sunday. Right. I think we can all admit, thank God we're not watching the Bengals on a weekly basis. Thank God we're not watching the Jets on a weekly basis. Thank God we're not watching Miami, Washington, maybe even Atlanta at this point, the way the Falcons are going. Like, the Titans aren't to that level. No. But I will say this. If this team goes 6-10, and 10, or seven and nine, or eight and eight, which seems very possible at this point, because you look at the the rest of the schedule. It's not like it's murderer's row, but there aren't games on that schedule where you can just chalk up a W next. No, week. I mean, like they're, every they're, week is going to be tough for this Titans team if they don't bring their A game. And that's true for every team in this division. Every team, I don't care who you are, it's going to be true, and we've we've seen examples of it. To date, 
I mean, it's gonna we're gonna see Indy go out there and beat Kansas City, and then they're gonna turn around and lose to Oakland. Right. And you shake your head and you say, "How does that happen?" You know what? This is the NFL. It happens. Well, the the Titans sold us on good for on going from good to great. Their big mantra for this year. Right. And if they go from good to below average, and at the end of this season they are six and ten or seven and nine, I tell you what, Floyd, there's going to be a whole lot of apathy if there isn't already within this fan base. Yeah, because we we have seen this song and dance this last decade. Whether it's two and fourteen or whether it's just say, missing see, the playoffs, this is what I'm saying. You say that, and that is not true, Ryan. We've won nine games. There's seven teams in the NFL that have won nine games or more in the last three years, and we're one of them. Okay, we made the playoffs once. What <laughs> doesn't matter? We've won three. We've won nine games for three years. It just shows you what you're dealing with in the NFL. It shows you exactly what, how many teams you would think. You would think, well, between uh, New England and between Kansas City and between the, that, that, whatever teams you want to throw out there, I mean, they've done it every year. Those teams do it every single year. No. Does not happen. Wrong sport. <laughs> this is the NFL. It's different. That's why you look at the playoffs. Every year, 50% of the teams in the playoff are different teams. From year to year. Every single year they're different. Why is that? Because there's a couple of teams at the top, and then there's a whole bunch of other teams fighting to get there. And then and there's that's a couple of teams at the bottom that and have right. no hope. And that's where the Titans are right now. And so, how do, you know, how are they going to get there? How do they get there? Well, you know, you've got to get your offensive line back in line. You've got – you finally – you look at this team and you say, okay, what do you need to have a pretty good team in the NFL? I'm just talking offense now. What do you need? Well, you need some receivers. Okay. Got some receivers. Mm-hmm. We like Brown, right? We like Humphreys. We like Davis. Mm-hmm. You don't like Humphreys? Uh, not at $9 million a year. Well, I mean, we're not talking money. We're talking about playing. Is he? You think he's he's going to help us? You he's think okay. Like, okay. Like, <laughs> what about Davis? He's not the fifth overall pick in the draft. Okay. Is he Okay. He's okay. Okay. What about Walker? He's been really good throughout his career, and but he, the last couple of weeks he's been okay. And Henry? Henry is the best player on offense well, outside of the offensive line. All right. So that, that group, you can look at that group and you can say, okay, there's potential there. There's something there that you can work with. There's something there you can get better. Now you look at the offensive line. And you say, okay, we've, you know, whatever Taylor was last week, being gone the whole time, is that satisfactory? Absolutely not. At the left guard, has he come in and done what we anticipated he 100% would do? 100% no. No. Then you've got Jones. Jones is what Jones is. The right guard who's <laughs> your, played. Your favorite position on this team. What? The right guard. Oh, yeah. Right guard. The guy's played one, one game. <laughs> and it's, it's going to try. Now, you feel good about that? No. And then Conklin last week gives up two sacks. Will you feel good about Conklin? No. It's whichever way the wind blows with Jack Conklin. It's so uh, where's the where do you need work? You certainly need work right there. At what that, point you can't look at that offensive line. You cannot look at that offensive line and say that offensive line is worth double digit wins. Absolutely no way. 
cannot be. We, we've got someone so, agreeing with you here. So now, yeah. So now you can look at other parts of it, and you can go, yeah, they got a chance. We had a chance with that group. With it. defense, for sure, you got a chance. Punter, for sure, you got a chance. I mean, they got the best punter in the league, but so, that's yeah. really the only good thing going for this team right now. So I think you can look at parts of it, and you can say, okay. This team is good enough if you can get it all together. It doesn't mean you have to get all pros at every position, but you have got to get solid players at every position with a few stars. I just want Throw consistency. Throw in your stars. I just want consistency, and there's just zero consistency that, with Let me team. say this. When you're 8-8, eight and eight, you will never get it. When you win nine games, you will never get it. When you get win seven games, you will never get it. Now you win 12 games, you got it. <laughs> you win 13, you got it. It's there. This team ain't winning 12. They ain't winning 13. No. They would have to run the table to win 13. Yeah, I mean, that's – I think we're, we're – we're, we're beyond we're, that point. Now, I think we now we're just trying to be 500. Yeah, I think we're beyond the – you know, I, don't, I can't see that kind of that record. Coming now, up next, our weekly visit with forever Titans receiver Chris Sanders. He will join us coming up next. This is Jared and the GM live from Brewhouse South in Cool Springs on ESPN 1025. The game streaming on the Game National app. Welcome back in, Jared and the GM, ESPN 102.5, the game streaming on the Game National App. Ryan Forth in for Jared Stillman this afternoon, live from Brewhouse South in Cool Springs, alongside the GM, Floyd Reese. Floyd, we are now joined by forever Titans receiver Chris Sanders, your co-host every Sunday on NFL Pregame. Chris. What's up, fellas? How we doing this week? I'm doing all right, man. Just a little sad from the game on Sunday. Yeah, you tell me. <laughs> so you uh, you heard part of our discussion yes. to uh, to end last segment about – how the Titans sold us they were going to go from good to great, okay. and they've, they've done anything. But since then, what's been kind of your vantage point week to week with this team? Um, uh, you know, uh, Luan said a quote uh, when he did his interview. He said, we're consistently inconsistent, and that's the perfect word of what's going on. You know, one week they look like world beaters against the Falcons, then they come against the uh, Buffalo Bills, and they're just inconsistent in every phase uh, of the game. And, you know, I, I think the fans just want to see a clean game. They want to see Mario to play well. They want to see the receivers play well. They want to see a complete game. And, you know, we only see one complete game the whole season, and that's been the Atlanta Falcons, and it's just kind of frustrating to watch it. There's still a lot of football left. They're two and three. And if they just get on a roll and win a whole bunch of games, then everybody will be happy. Chris, we, um, we, we saw a few mistakes, if you will, a few. last week. <laughs> I'm just kidding. What, what do you do now that Taylor's back? And yeah. I know Taylor's catching a whole bunch of grief right yeah. now. But, but Taylor is going to be fine, you know, yeah. as a left tackle. Yeah. Uh, and and in, in my heart, I think Saffold's going to be fine. I think mm-hmm. Jones is going to be fine. How do you help the young right guard without oh. without messing Conklin up? Now, it just appears to me like the right guard yeah. that Davis is going to stay in that spot. Uh-huh. So how, 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 do, how can we help him? You know, we just got to talk to him. And I, and I know this is kind of cliches, but you got to talk to him and – Right now, it's not the point right now is not to go and yell and start screaming and say you need to do this. He knows what he needs to do, whoever's in there. They just got to go in there and play with an attitude and really trust the technique that the coach is teaching them. This, I mean, this offense, it's not just the right guard that's struggling. Everybody's struggling. You got, you know, Sappho struggling. You got a lot of things. You got a lot of the guys struggling on the line. But, you know, when they're struggling, I went back and I asked myself, why is the offensive line struggling? So what I did is I went in and I called Brad Hopkins, one of the best offensive line guys for the Tennessee Titans. 
And I said, I said, Brad, what is the problem with the offensive line? He said this. He said, when you have a change of OC, the offensive coordinator, a change of schemes and the philosophy change, and you keep changing players, it's not going to work until you actually come together. And I sat back and I was like, whoa, because everybody can see that they're struggling. Everybody can see that there's something going wrong. And the reason why these guys are struggling is because they haven't had enough time to play together. You had Lawan that was suspended for four games. You had Nate Davis that was hurt most of the, of the preseason and the, uh, the regular season. So if these guys are not playing together, how are they going to work together if they're not co- coming together and working together? We, we have seen on a, on a weekly basis, even with the good teams, I yeah. Kansas City last week, I mean, it, it doesn't matter who you play, when right. you play, where you play. You know, when you go in to play some of these teams, I mean, mm-hmm. they can kick you right in the butt. <laughs> yeah. I mean, how, how do you get that point across to your team? You know, you know what the reason is, Floyd, is I think the Tennessee Titans right now are trying to find their identity. I mean, you, you made a perfect example with Kansas City. Kansas City, I don't care if they're 50 points down, their identity is, hey, we're going to throw the ball, we're going to let Mahomes uh, flick, throw it behind his back and throw a backwards pass. That's just their identity. I think with the Tennessee Titans, they don't know who they are right now. And I'm, I'm not saying it in a disrespectful way or a demeaning way, but if you, if you look at when, when Malarkey was the head coach, we knew the identity was. I know they called them smash mouth football, whatever, whatever, but they knew they're going to run the ball, we're going to pound you, we're going to be physical, and we're, go- and we're going to come after you. If you look at the Tennessee Titans now, what's the identity of the team? Are we run first or pass second? I mean, w- what is it? And that's why you're seeing the struggles that you see right now. Chris Sanders here with us on Jared and the GM ESPN 1025 The Game. Chris, how would you assess what you've seen from Adam Humphreys through five games as a Titan? Who's that guy? Hmm. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. No, I mean, yeah, I mean, he's done pretty good when when he's gotten the ball. He's made some plays, but he's he's got he's got to come up and make the big play. Just like the last game, he missed a key third down. That could have been a momentum changer. And I know people are saying, well, he's he's not worth nine million dollars. He's not this and that. He's not that. But he's got to get opportunities. And me and Floyd talk about this all the time. Each week is going to change. Humphreys might catch five one week. The next week, Davis might catch six. It just doesn't matter. But I think when the opportunity comes at hand, he's got to make the play. And last week, he didn't make the play. Do you get concerned? And and I've I heard Delaney mention it this week, and I'm not sure Delaney's was was ticked off about it as much as you know it was something along the lines of Yeah, I would like to get the ball more. Yeah. And and I'm thinking to myself, okay, you got Davis, you got Delaney, you got Humphreys, you got Brown, you got those four receivers, and like last game, you complete 13 passes. I mean, guess what? I mean, if you had a good day, you're getting three catches. I just I just hope he doesn't. I just hope he doesn't turn into. uh, was it uh, what's that guy? Uh, Terrell Owen to say, give me the darn ball or somebody like that. Yeah, yeah. But he. But he, I don't think he's that type of guy. I just think that he is a competitor. He wants to make plays. He knows his ability. He's like, get the ball in my hands. I'm going to make something happen. That's why he's kind of frustrated. You can see when he was doing that interview, he was mad. I mean, they were asking him questions. He was like, man, if y'all ask me another question, I'm going to swing. That's how mad he was. But I don't think it's mad because he's not wanting the ball. I just think he wants the ball in his hands because he knows that he can make plays, and he's not getting it. And then on the flip side, He's still got to catch the ball, even if he gets one or two attempts. He's still got to make the play and not be frustrated and let the balls come to him when they, when they come. Chris, if you were in the shoes of Mike Vrabel, mm-hmm. Sunday afternoon against Buffalo, you're trailing and six uh-huh. minutes left, yeah. fourth and four. Yeah. Do you go for it or kick the 53-yarder with Santos? Okay, I'm a, I'm a coach now. Uh, I'm kicking the field goal, 
And the reason why I'm kicking the field goal is because if you kick the field goal, our defense has been playing well the whole game. So if we kick the field goal, now if we stop and get the ball back, now we're not just going to just try to tie the game. We put ourselves in position to win. See, a lot of people look on the outside, oh, go for it, go for it, yeah, this and that. But if you go for it and come out with no points, all you can do is when you get the ball back, tie it. So now if I put myself in position to kick the field goal, and if I had to have a chance to make it now, our defense is playing well, then all of a sudden we get the ball back. Now we're not just going to try to tie it. We're going to win the game. I'm going to keep Smart you in. For, no, 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 I completely disagree. Guy. Completely what did disagree. I tell Jared? I said, Jared, this is, you Floyd, you've been saying that all week. Yep. A, a football guy that will, that will, he wanted to punt it. He punt said, it. you won't find the guy. No, did, did Jared say punt it? Yeah. Jared is to be in timeout right now. <laughs> he is in timeout right now. <laughs> but, all right, Chris, let, let me put you back sure, in the shoes sure. of Mike Vrabel. Same situation. Mm-hmm. Are you that confident in Cairo Santos yeah, going I mean, up there after he missed the first three? But, that, but, that's my biggest beef with it. No, I agree with you 100%, but as a coach, you have no choice. You, I mean, you really don't have a choice. If if you don't get the fourth and four, and then I, I looked at the last play, everybody's like, I mean, the, the plays before that, they should have got the, four, the first down so wouldn't, they wouldn't even be in this position. I mean, you, you know what I'm saying? So we put the kicker in a bad position to where he already missed three, and then he missed his fourth one. We just got to make the kick and, and, and do what we need cut. to do. The, <laughs> and, and I go back to, I heard, yeah, I think it was on the, the morning show. Yeah. You, you, in a situation like that, you're, of course, counting on him to make the two less right, than 40. Right. And you're making half of them from the 50 out. Yeah. Nobody has missed four field goals in the last 22 wow. years. Ooh. So that's even more of a reason that you go for it, figuring that, no, we're not going to break a 22-year-old record. Hey, hey, Floyd. You're trying to talk me into this, Floyd, and you're not going to do it. I'm not. I'm just giving you a little bit more ammo. Hey, hey, Floyd, who's you the GM? I'm just asking. You know I'm kidding, man. Chris Sanders, our guest here on Jared of the GM. You can catch Chris with Jared and Floyd this Sunday from 1 to 3 in the NFL pregame before the Titans take on the Broncos. Chris, appreciate it as always. Thanks, Chris. Love you guys. Bye-bye. That's Chris Sanders here on Jared of the GM. I agree with with everyone who's been saying you go for it in that situation. I mean, Santos couldn't hit the broadside of a barn. If, If Cairo Santos was in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean on a boat, on Sunday, he would not have been able to hit the ocean trying to kick the ball off that boat. Like, I don't, I don't, but what are your options? Go for you it. You don't have a backup kicker. Go for it. You would love to put in. Hey, bring in the backup. Okay. Fourth and four. Where's That's not Bruce Matthews? That hard. Oh. <laughs> you know what? You need to look Adam at Humphrey. The, look you, at the you gave Adam Humphreys nine million dollars. You could have thrown it to Adam Humphreys on that fourth play. and four. Look at the numbers. You will be shocked. Shocked. It is hard. So is kicking a 53-yarder after you Especially it. when, what are your options on fourth and four? What are we going to do? We're going to give it to Derrick Henry. Well, who I knows mean, and, this team? I mean, yeah, I mean, that's what you do. And if you don't give it to Derrick Henry and if you don't make it, then people are saying, you got a 250-pound running back back there and you don't give it to Derrick Henry. You guys are eggheads. You know, I mean, it's just you just can't win. Oh, you won't convince me, Floyd, and I won't convince I don't, you. And and I'm not. Yeah, I mean that's fine. I'm not trying to. Yeah, I'm just giving you my my logic. Okay.
I'm giving you my fan logic that's never been in the game and like that's, you have been and that's good. And, your entire and I life. I appreciate that. Yeah. Coming up next, the Nashville Predators won last night 5-2 over the San Jose Sharks. At what point are we going to get really excited about this new-look offense? That's coming up next. He's the GM, Floyd Reese. I'm Ryan Porth. We are live from Brewhouse South in Cool Springs, and this is ESPN 102.5 The Game, streaming on the Game National app.